When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on what Pat Hughes described as a delightful day in Chicago and at Wrigley Field as the Cubs complete a three-game sweep of the visiting San Francisco Giants. They have now won five straight baseball games, and with a Cardinals loss to the Brewers on Wednesday night, the Cubs have regained sole possession of first place in the National League Central, and when you wake up on Friday morning and are listening to this prior to the Cubs and Nationals starting up, they will still have sole possession of first place in the National League Central. So that is wonderful news, of course. And Brendan, this was, I think, exactly what we were hoping for from the Cubs in this series. Obviously, some very close games, two very, very different one-run wins for the Cubs on Wednesday and Thursday, one of the 12 to 11 variety and one of the one to nothing variety. But they win those last two games in Pittsburgh. They win their first road series since May, and they come back home and immediately get back to doing what they have done all year at Wrigley Field, which is take care of business. 
those are the marks of a good team. And we didn't see the Cubs do that basically all season long, which is why Rizzo said that second win of the series was season defining because it was. They came back, they were resilient, they came back multiple times in the game, and Chris Bryant clutched two run home run in the eighth inning. And that's what the Cubs do. They come back multiple times. And we saw that so frequently over the last few years. We just never saw that early on this season. So let me run through these games real quick. Just just give us a lay of the land here. And then we will uh, be talking about everything that has gone on in the last few days. We are certainly going to be talking about a very clutch member of the Chicago Cubs, one Christopher Lee Bryant. We're going to talk about Tony getting his power stroke back the pitching, the bullpen, we'll talk about it all, but just to give us a lay of the land here, Cubs winning the first game of the series on Tuesday, 5-3, to three, a quality start from Cole Hamels, despite not looking his best, pitching out of some jams, but nice to see him hunker down there and, and deliver a, a six innings, three earned run quality start, picking up his seventh win of the year. He walks two, strikes out five, and the Cubs getting their runs on Tuesday. Nick Castellanos with a home run in the first inning. Anthony Rizzo with his first of two homers in this game. First one, his 24th. The second one, his 25th. The game was tied in the top of the fourth on a Kevin Pillar homer, but in the bottom of the fifth, it was a Jonathan Lucroy single and a Tony Kemp Sack fly that coming in the seventh to give the Cubs two necessary runs to win this game. Craig Kimbrell, his 10th save of the year to lock it down. On Wednesday, this was a wild affair at Wrigley Field, a very back and forth game, and one really unlike we have seen. I think all year, like you said, Brendan Rizzo and the guys saying they really haven't played a game like that for most of the year. And I think that was true. I couldn't recall a game that was so back and forth and so high scoring. 23 runs obviously scored in the game. You Darvish was confusing in this game. Uh, He was very good except for keeping the ball in the ballpark. Five and a third, seven hits, six earned, no walks, and eight strikeouts. A ton of whiffs, Brendan. Still no walks. Uh, He is now over 120 straight batters since he last walked someone. He had a a three-ball count on Yastrzemski a few times, which (laughs) was a, a really weird setup because Yastrzemski is the last person to have walked against Darvish in that, I think, July 23rd game in San Francisco. So that would have been pretty weird if that streak was bookended both by Yastrzemski walks, but Darvish was able to get around them, though I suppose maybe you would have traded a walk for not giving up one of the four home runs. I don't know. Brendan, the you Darvish expert of Chicago Cubs fandom, will be breaking that down a little bit for us <laughs> to, to help us understand how, how we should make out that start. But always good to see him get those strikeouts and always good to keep those walks at a minimum. Uh, just this game was very back and forth. So I think it's fun to kind of go along the ride here. Uh, Longoria gave the Giants a two to nothing lead in the first. Nick Castellanos for the third straight game, homering in the first inning. That his 19th total on the year that tied the game at two. The Cubs would take a four to two lead in the bottom of the second on a U Darvish single and a Nick Castellanos single. Kyle Schwarber, his 29th homer of the year, getting close to some big milestones for Kyle as he keeps driving the ball out of the ballpark. That made it 6-2, to feeling really good about this game at that point. Brendan, feeling like, 
Kaepernick were on the way to winning the series, uh, but the Giants were not done. Mike Kostremski with a homer in the fifth to make it 6-4. to four. Victor Caratini with a clutch what I thought was going to be a nice little insurance run there in the bottom of the fifth that made it seven to four, but the Giants come storming back in the top of the six. A Steven Vote homer, a Kevin Pillar homer, which was back to back with Vote, and an Austin Slater double made it nine to seven. If anyone wants to run Derek Holland's splits against righties down to Joe Madden, please volunteer at your local Cubs location, wherever you can get those numbers in front of Joe Madden, please. We, we all need to band together and prevent Derek Holland from pitching to righties, but it didn't end up mattering, so we can not uh, relitigate that as much as we maybe otherwise would have, Brendan. But in the bottom of the six, the Cubs immediately respond, uh, always a sign of a hungry, competitive team that they immediately retake the lead. Anthony Rizzo with a ground rule double, Javi with an infield single, and Kyle Schwarber grounds into a force out. That would put the Cubs up 10 to 9, top seventh. The Giants just would not die. Top of the seventh, Stephen Vogt, another RBI single. Brandon Belt, a sack fly. That put the Giants up 11-10. to 10. We would go to the bottom of the 11th. Nick Castellanos hustles out. He respects 90, folks. He gets on base on a ball up the middle that was kept on the infield by Crawford. And one, Christopher Lee Bryant sends a ball into orbit, into the stands in left field at Wrigley, a two-run home run. That would be clutch, Brendan, and that would be a game-winning home run. Did you know it was Chris going Bryant? Absolutely. You knew right away? Yeah. Oh, it was a missile. See, watching it on TV, I knew it had, you know, the, the exit velo. It was a matter of it had the depth or the, the height, the launching. Yeah, from my vantage point, my, my seats are behind the plate, a lot of rows up, but still yeah. closer to behind the plate. So uh, when KB gets one, usually when the guys get ones like that, they're, they're easier to tell. Away. The ones that are yeah. hard from that vantage point are sometimes those higher fly balls that maybe right. are basket shots or you're not really sure if the outfielder's actually thinking they're going to catch it or not. Those are the ones that are a little harder. But uh, Craig Kimbrell would come in and pick up his 11th save and lock it down. So a wild game on Wednesday night. And then Thursday... 98 too, by the way, in that second save. Yes, Kimbrell looked great. We will talk yeah, more did. about Dirty Craig looking very good in these few games here against San Francisco. And then on Thursday, pretty simple. Uh, one to nothing. The lecture was in session from Kyle Hendricks. He was fantastic, beating out former Cub Jeff Samarja, just like he did in the playoffs a few years ago. And Brendan, oddly enough, that was in 2016 in the NLDS, which is the same year that the Cubs went on to win the World Series. Series. Yeah, that year. Yes, always good to point that out. But Kyle goes seven innings, three hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Brandon Kinsler, Kyle Ryan, and Rowan Wick follow with two-thirds of an inning each. Only Kinsler allows a hit. None of them obviously allow any runs. None of them walk anybody, and each of them strike somebody out. That is good bullpenning, folks. And the lone run in this one comes on a clutch two-out single from Anthony Vincent Rizzo. I'm big on the middle names today. I can tell, yeah. I like it. So, that was all that she wrote. One to nothing, the final. Hendricks' ninth win of the year. The Cubs sweep. They are 11 games over 500, and they have won five games in a row. 
Brendan, I will throw it to you. Uh, I, we can obviously focus on that game on Wednesday, a, a very wacky and, and you know, I think courageous victory from the Cubs to overcome some of the pitching struggles. But the, key, the, the biggest thing that happened in this series for me is Chris Bryant once again uh, letting, letting the haters know and those that are intent to believe he is not clutch and cannot perform in big situations, that that is just not the case because he has had some awfully big hits in just the last couple weeks here, Brennan. Yeah, I mean, Chris Bryant's, you know, been on one. And he said, too, even in that game and the game before, he was missing his pitches. And we saw that, too. But when Chris Bryant's locked in, that's not going to continue for more than eight at-bats at a time. That's when you know KB is on one. But for for me, it was Rizzo. Having that power come back, the bats look great, the defense still looking good, but having that power come back, you see right away in that second game what the effects of that are. Because top to bottom, one to eight, when the Cubs have their best lineup out there, each and every one of them have 20 to 25 home run potential, even Hayward this year. But with Rizzo in the past two months, despite those numbers being good, had a WRC plus of 130 in that 7-8 week homer spell uh, drought, he still produced. But when you have that power come back for Rizzo, it just lengthens the lineup, I feel like. And having the power in the second game was a big deal for that team to come back multiple times. It was a big deal in the previous games as well. And it's it's just fun to look at the Cubs and be familiar with this type of performance. Because again, those games, that second game is why the Cubs won 103 games in 2016. They, the season in which they won the World Series, if I need to remind you. So that, that was my big takeaway, is watching Rizzo perform, Chris Bryant coming through in the clutch like he's been doing his entire career. Hendricks looked phenomenal, and that was very reminiscent of everything we saw just three years ago, Corey. Yeah, so I, I guess we can, maybe the, the first bullet point here can just be Brizzo. We, we yeah. could just talk about that. They go hand in hand usually. They, anyway, they do so. go hand in hand. And right. th- this note from last night, uh, Wednesday night, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, is from at Cubs, the Chicago Cubs. And they point out that three of KB's last four home runs have been go-ahead shots in the seventh inning or later. Brendan, I've been that's told... That's clutch, right? I, the, well, that's what I was going to ask you. I, I've yeah. read many times that that can't be possible because Chris is not clutch. Yeah. What is this? This is the third straight podcast episode where we're talking about this. So keep adding it to the list. We keep, you know, we keep tallying this up. This might be at least 21 or 22 instances where Chris Bryant's tied the game or taking the lead in the seventh inning or later. And that's that's who he is, man. Again, you will not throw past Chris Bryant more than eight plate appearances when you're missing your spot. And if you look at the video in the first game of the series, in the second game of that series before that go-ahead home run, he just missed. He just missed a few of them. A lot of folks on Twitter mentioning he was maybe sitting on sliders just because he was laying some fastballs. He got his fastball up, hammered it out, and that's what Chris Bryant does, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, uh, good to see KB doing those things. Almost nothing gets me more pumped up than KB winning games. And Brendan, especially in a game like on Wednesday, the crowd at Wrigley was electric. Those are those games where if you are able to get to Wrigley Field and have not been as much as you'd like during this stretch of Cubs baseball, you got to try to do it if you can. Just ask Castellanos about it, man. He's digging it. Yeah, right. And 
it, it, it's just such an electric atmosphere. And games like that, it comes out the most because the, the crowd, when they fell behind multiple times, they're just willing them back to the top and, and to succeed in these games. And it is so just palpable throughout the ballpark. Yeah. Electric. What an atmosphere yeah. at Wrigley. And yeah, you brought up Castellanos, but that gif of him celebrating as Chris Bryan hit that home run, put it in the gif hall of fame, hang it in the Louvre, whatever you want to do with it. His energy is infectious, man. Right. And that entire know- day, Corey. I mean, he was going off on the media, not in a bad way like you know some other people, but he was going off saying, you know, crying on 670 right. the score because Joe Madden was giving them compliments, saying, you know, philosophical quotes about opening day being every day, saying how Comerica doesn't even come close to Wrigley Field with the intensity, even despite some of the blowouts. Castellanos, I mean, I don't know how, how you feel, but just give, just give the man a lifetime contract already. It feels as if he's been a cup forever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you could give him a blank contract. I would send that over on. to him right now. But but the way that he reacted on that KB home run, jumping around for just with pure jubilance was amazing. And and I know, of course, like everybody on this team wants to win and is happy when the team succeeds. But when you see it from someone who you know was in a bad spot in Detroit, has very little experience in games that actually matter and, and make a difference and, and have a chance to mean something for the team that you're playing for, it's so cool to see those moments and obviously he's absolutely destroying the ball so it's it's just a joy to have him around and one thing just I don't know if we're going to get into Cassiano specifically so I'll just say it here since we're talking about him but that whole you know thought that a lot of us had that he would come over to Wrigley he would wear out those power alleys a lot of those fly balls he was hitting in Comerica would go for home runs it seems to be working out pretty well eh Brendan? Yeah, I mean, look, we saw that again in, mo- in all three of those games. Some of those balls just got out. And there was some charts before he was a Cub, and it overlaid his fly ball trajectories at Comerica, transitioned that to Wrigley Field. And he had, like, what, eight or nine fly balls that would have been home runs at Wrigley Field. So, you know, like he said, kick high, swing hard, see what happens. And we're seeing that almost on a daily basis now. Yeah, and so I, I do just want to read a quote from Castellanos, and then we'll get back to Christopher and Anthony. Uh, this one from friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastian, at ML Bastian, B-A-S-T-I-A-N, on Twitter. And he said, these are quotes from Castellanos on playing at Wrigley Field. Quote, I remember we were getting our butts kicked one of the games at home. We were down by 10, and it seemed like nobody left. Where at Comerica Park, it'd be empty. I just joined the squad, but I also think our record at home reflects how much not only me, but everybody wearing a Cubs uniform appreciates playing at Wrigley Field. Well, let me tell you something, Nick. We appreciate you playing at Wrigley Field, okay? So it it goes both ways there. But it's almost impossible not to love this guy. He's saying all the right things. He's got like a 750 slugging percentage at the moment. <laughs> it's difficult to not be the pretty thrilled. Too. The one he has with Hayward, you mentioned it, but that that is unbelievable. Pretty the slick. energy those two guys have. And even the, uh, yeah. the eating handshake that he has with Brazil, exceptional stuff they have going on. Well, that is one of the more amazing things that we've seen. And most if you watch the videos when he does the, you know, like let him eat thing with yeah, KB. Like the Ezekiel Elliott thing that he does, you know, for all your NFL fans out there. Yeah, I, it's harder to describe, I guess, just in audio, but they basically yeah. pantomime that they're, I, I, 
I always think of it as cereal. I don't know why, but like they're they're eating cereal and it looks like they're feeding each other. It's great. It's it's just great. Just watch anytime they meet each other at home plate, they do it. I think and, it has to do with protection, by the way. I forgot where I heard this from, but it was either Bryant or Rizzo or maybe even Castellanos. They're saying how they're protecting one another in that lineup. So I think that's the origin of it, but who knows? I, I, I just assumed it was, you know, they're they're helping each other eat, right? Get those right. RBIs, get those runs. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the best part about it every time for me is the smile on Chris's face. He's like so <laughs> bashful about doing it. Every time he smiles like, oh, yeah. ha, this thing again. Like yeah. he's such an amazing human being. I, I get used to off, it, Chris. Yeah, I, I could go off on that uh, on a KB is is cute tangent for quite some time, but I'll, I'll save that for another podcast. But Getting back to Chris and Anthony, I want to transition to Anthony here because we are now at 25 home runs for Anthony after his homers in this series. And you guys know I'm well on the hunt for him to get 33, uh, 32, three times in his career, 2014, 2016, and 2017. And even though it really doesn't make much of a difference, uh, I just want him to get a new career high so badly. And with the surge that he's had over this last week or so, it's now a lot more feasible, right? He's at 25, so he only needs eight more to get to the career high. And when we were talking last time, Brendan, we kind of joked, like, well, if he just hits this many every couple games, like, he'll be fine. And, you know, then he has a two-homer game, and you're going, okay, like, this is feeling a lot more possible now. But... Love that the power stroke is back. His numbers have been phenomenal, as we talked about last episode, even without, you know, the constant home run power. But as he's adding that power back in, he's really able to take his game to another level and is just reminding us all why he is one of the most consistent, excellent producers in this game and has been such a rock for the Cubs. And that is exemplified by the notion that he is the seventh player in Cubs history with at least six seasons of 25 plus home runs. Sammy Sosa did it 12 times. Billy Williams did it 10. Ernie Banks did it 10. Ron Santo did it eight times. Aramis Ramirez did it seven times. Ryan Sandberg did it six. And Rizzo now joins that list with Six, Brendan, Tony is our leader, and he is our captain, and that is a list of names that he so deserves to be a part of. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. The outcome of an opioid emergency may depend on a quick response. Accidental overdose can happen anytime, even if the opioid pain medicine is prescribed. Due to COVID-19, emergency services could be slower to arrive. Get prepared. Get Naloxone, a potentially life-saving reversal agent with no prescription directly from your pharmacy. Having Naloxone available allows you to respond first, not a substitute for emergency medical care. Learn more at opioidsafetyplan.com. That's O-P-I-O-I-D safetyplan.com. No doubt. And so Rizzo is on pace for 32 home runs on the dot, Corey. So if he were to do this the rest of the season, he'd... Be tied at 32 once again, which would be what, the fourth time, I think? Yeah, the fourth time in his career he's done that. So 
We'll see. But just uh, looking at last year, he already tied his mark last year with 25 homers. And then Evan Altman wrote about Rizzo in the month of August and his launch angle, whether or not the launch angle is because he's changing something or whether it's just him staying the course. Who knows? But I want to read this quote from Rizzo when he was asked about this very thing. And he said, quote, you just stay the course, you know, it's a long season and that's what you lean on. If you start pressing to do things in the game, it usually hurts you. I've done it before. I've done it this year. I do it every year. It does no good. So you just got to keep playing and know that it will turn around. So that's what he's doing. And again, so in July, his average launch angle was around eight and a half degrees. This month in August is almost 17 degrees, which is the highest it's been all season long even when he was hitting home runs back in May. So who knows if he's making a change? He said he's not making any changes. Maybe he's just not you know, delving into all that information and giving the media what they want. But you see how he looks differently. And the, the ball is flying off his bat. And that one home run in Williamsport, we said this last podcast, but when Chris Bryant asked him, hey, is that the best ball you hit all year? Rizzo said, Rizzo said yeah, it was. And so when he's going opposite the field, Kind of like what Javi's doing with power, you know Rizzo's on one right now. So I think in the next month and a half, power Rizzo is back, man. Yeah, absolutely. And there, I, I've said this many times, but there really is little that is like so quintessential this era of Cubs baseball than Tony when he really gets one does that kind of lean back from the left-handed batter's box and just watching that ball fly it's such a beautiful sight and and just really like the epitome of this era of Cubs baseball but I, I want to ask read... you a question about the uh not to distract you here but I, the, the thought came to mind what was the late 2000s you know hallmark of that era Wow. I know. So I, I'm thinking Derek Lee in my mind. I'm thinking Aramis Ramirez and those walk-offs. Yeah, I, I, like I, 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 I think it would be some sort of Ramirez home run and, and the way that, you know, when he used to get one, he'd kind of stare at them, do a little right. bat drop, whatever. I think that's that's probably what I would say. The 2000s are a confusing time. There's a lot going on <laughs> in, in, the, in the 2000s for the Cubs. So it's, yeah. it's tough to maybe pick one exactly. I know what it is. But. I know what it is. Please. It's the Aramis Ramirez walk-off home run. He's rounding third base, finger in the air. Soriano's 11 feet up in the air, jumping on yeah. home plate, waiting for Rami to come around home plate. That's, that's Well, that's idea. that's one specific moment. The Rizzo thing is something I say because it happens a lot. And it just like... I mean, Aramis did that like yeah, every other week, I felt like. Yeah, so, you know. yeah I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I always feel bad not just choosing Derek Lee for any answer like that. But I, I do think that the Ramirez visual maybe sticks out a little more. But I, I do want to read, since you talked about it a little bit, just that specific quote from Rizzo on the game on Wednesday. And he said, he called it a season-defining win and asked why. He went on to say, quote, they scored, what, nine runs in the fifth through the seventh inning? Teams don't really win when that happens. So it's just a good, hard-fought, never-quit win. And it really is. And it's one of those things where, kind of in a cliched way, you hoped that this team would be able to not only carry over winning their first road series in a month in that series with Pittsburgh, but just also that experience in Williamsport and and all the Little League World Series stuff that was going on on Sunday, just that they would be able to kind of get back to having fun and feeling that vibe through the the clubhouse and, and through the team that they are the Chicago Cubs, they're really good, they have a lot of talent, and just put some of these weird road struggles in particular behind them. And you really saw that in this series. Again, winning 
two very different one-run games is something we we talked about this in games like the Harper Grand Slam and even that one on Friday against the Pirates that this 2019 team had found a lot of ways to lose games, a lot of ways to steal defeat from the jaws of victory. And these two games to end this San Francisco series felt like the opposite. This felt more like that 2016 vibe, where it doesn't matter what happens, they're going to win. They are going to figure out a way to win. And I even found myself being pretty confident in that game on Wednesday night, even when Derek Holland was out there for who knows what reason, trying to blow the game against a right-handed hitter. And you just felt like, well, this offense is going to figure it out. Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, they're going to dig their way out of this no matter how many times this bullpen tries to put this game back in the Giants' favor. And they were able to do it. And it, it it's a good feeling around this team right now. I know that it's been that way pretty much the entire year at, at Wrigley Field and at home. But the way they ended that series in Pittsburgh carried over to this and if they're able to have a good series against a, a very competitive and in-the-hunt Washington team, I, I think we're all going to leave this homestand feeling particularly good about where the Cubs are at as we head towards September here. I think for the second game, too, this, you know, with the offense performing so well, it's highlighted and marked by the way Craig Kimbrell pitched. Yeah. And to have him come out, throw 97 to 98 consistently. He was throwing 98 in five of those eight fastballs he threw. That was his best velocity as a Chicago Cub. And that's coming off of knee inflammation and not pitching consistently for two and a half weeks. So that that is just adding to the, you know, the confidence that we have right now. Because despite some of the other comebacks the Cubs have had or put up, They've been blown by the bullpen late in the game. So Craig Campbell comes in, zero drama, Corey, zero drama whatsoever, right. and looks exactly like the guy we saw throughout the majority of his career. That is huge. And then have Rowan Wick in that last game of the series do exactly the same thing. You're looking at a bullpen that feels different in a matter of a few days just because we're seeing the guys come back that are healthy. And then Kinsler today was throwing 92. I know he almost blew that game, but you know what? That 92-mile-per-hour sinker was perfectly located, and Crawford just, you know, he hit it. It happens. So Kinsler's, I think, looking better. The command was better today. Kimbrell's looking phenomenal. You have Ronan Wick continuing to be a high-leverage late-inning guy, something that you and I were calling for the entire season. And now the bullpen feels better. The offense feels better. Hendricks is dealing. Darvish still striking out guys, not walking anyone. All of a sudden, one week later, and everything that we wanted to see at least happen is now happening in the next week or so. And it's 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 changing how, I think for me, my confidence level going forward, just because I was so concerned how the bullpen would come back with their health. And so far, so good. Yeah, Kimbrell looking the way he did in these two games against San Francisco is particularly exciting. And, and it started... I think in that Sunday night game against the Pirates, even though that first ball was the homer from Starling Marte, got some really nice swings and misses with the breaking stuff. And then to come back here in these games on Tuesday and Wednesday, he throws two total innings, no hits, no walks, no runs, and three strikeouts across those
those two innings. And like you said, Brendan, he's pumping absolute gas. The breaking stuff is nasty. He's generating a ton of really ugly, late, just off-balance swings from some of these hitters. And that's the guy that the Cubs went out and signed. That's the Hall of Famer. And that's pretty much what we were saying when we were waiting for him to come back. Like, get him back, get him looking like that all-time top closer and that's a big deal for this bullpen. Steve Ciszek back and hopefully getting himself healthy. They've been able to give Strope a little bit of time off. Hopefully he can keep building up that yeah. strength and get going here. So yeah, I think that uh, the the bullpen, again, you still have some kinks to work out. You got to find the right roles for some of these guys, but a lot to really like Kyle Ryan with a nice yeah, outing. Yeah, Ryan too. In... That was the outing that last game, Corey, that one strikeout he had to end, what was it, the eighth inning? He yeah. came back. First started off the at-bat with a 91-mile-per-hour fastball on perfectly located lower outside corner of the dish. Follows back up to strike out, forgot who it was, in the lower inside corner of the plate with a release point that's the furthest to the first base side in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I I think one thing that we talked about maybe a month ago, two months ago, I don't remember— but was getting those two in particular, Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan, into big spots and and getting them ready for this stretch run and getting them ready for big spots against guys like Freddie Freeman in particular for Kyle Ryan, someone who, you know, that is a specific matchup we might see if those two teams meet in the NLDS. Guys like Cody Bellinger, if they're able to end up playing the Dodgers. And for Rowan Wick, you know, you just reverse it, righties, lefty, doesn't matter. But getting these guys into big spots so that when they are called upon in moments they have not been called upon in their career, which is high leverage in the playoffs against the best teams that Major League Baseball has to offer, you want them ready. You want them to have a little bit of experience. And series like this and what we've seen from these guys over the last few weeks are invaluable moments of experience for these guys. This was a huge outing on Thursday, protecting a one to nothing lead across two innings for Kyle Ryan. He finishes that eighth right. inning, then comes back for the first uh, you know batter of the ninth inning. And then Rowan Wick coming in again to shut out a one to nothing lead when your Hall of Fame level closer is unavailable for the day. And he's lights out, great pumping gas, and he's built up these experiences. So I think that's huge for these guys. We know that Brandon Kinsler has experience in those moments. We know Steve Ciszek does. We know Pedro Strope does. We know Craig Kimbrell does, right? It's about getting these other guys who have performed and giving them a chance to perform at the highest level you may need to perform at. And the Cubs have been, and Joe Madden and Tommy Hadovy in particular, have been really good about rewarding those guys for the successes that they've had and doing a really nice job of getting them prepared for the biggest moments that they may face going forward. And I suppose this is a good time before we move on to, I think, trying to dissect that start from you, Darvish, a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Good point to mention that Brandon Morrow is, in fact, done for the season. Coming out the other day, uh, Theo saying that that just is not going to work. He actually called that signing on him. He said that was on me. They took a calculated risk and it didn't really work out. And I agreed with Theo. It was a calculated risk. Brandon Morrow was absolutely filthy when he was on the mound for the Chicago Cubs. I think it was a worthwhile signing. It just didn't work out. Um, You know, but as we've said, like, I I think we've prepared you not to be particularly surprised by that. We've been joking for the last few weeks, like whether Brandon Morrow was 
even still alive or with the organization because we really hadn't seen any proof that that was the case other than their constant assertion that he was working his way back or he was throwing off a mound or he was doing this, but we never saw any of it, right? So yeah. I, I think we prepared you for this even months ago. The, the, the first time he had a setback, I, I think we told you guys like, look, if he comes back, great. If he can be in a position to throw an inning a week, at the end of the season or in the playoffs, fantastic. But don't count on it. Don't hold your breath. And this is where we are. So it's unfortunate. But as we've discussed, the Cubs have gotten some of these other guys the right opportunities. They found guys to fill in the role that Morrow might have played. And you just have to move on. He hasn't played a role at all for the Cubs this season. He's not going to. And, you know, that just is what it is. But Brendan, I, I do want to ask you about this Darvish start and, and just tell us uh, what you saw what you thought of this start, and in particular, if there's anything you make of, it, it seems like we've got everything ironed out with you. Certainly, the the injuries and the command problems that we saw in his first year with the Cubs in 2018 are a thing of the past. He is on an amazing stretch of not walking batters. The strikeouts are in the 7 to 10 range pretty much every time he goes out there. Even in terms of pitch count efficiency, a lot of these games, he's been pretty good. Could probably go an inning longer if they wanted to push him. You know, we're not seeing any more of those four-inning 120-pitch starts or whatever that we saw frequently last year. But the one thing he's getting bit by is the home run ball, and that was evident on Wednesday night. Four home runs to give him six earned runs on the evening. So overall, what are you seeing from Darvish? What do you like? What do you don't like? And anything in particular to make sense of the home run ball that he's dealing with? Well, a lot of people who throw like Darvish, who have high velocity and a lot of different stuff that kind of goes in the air, they're giving up home runs across the league. I mean, we look at Justin Verlander, who's given up the most home runs, I believe, in Major League Baseball, if not up there in the top five. Verlander is you know, probably the Cy Young Award winner in the American League this year. So despite some of these issues that guys have getting up the long ball, if they come when guys are off base, it doesn't really mean as much. Still bad, but doesn't mean as much, and you can live with that. So with you, Darvish, I'm not concerned that he gave up four home runs in that last start because, one, the whiffs are still there. The command is still there. And what you want to see from Darvish is just that ability to locate his fastball, which he did. But Darvish is continuing to adapt his repertoire. And we were talking about this early in in June, early in July, how he was throwing fewer four seams, more sliders, more cutters. And then as the season progressed, he got away from that four seam, started throwing more two seamers and sinkers. Now the next evolution of Hugh Darvish this year is getting away from those two seamers, which average around 93 miles per hour, and they're going down to those splitters. So he's throwing a splitter once every five pitches, okay? A 20% uh, rate over his last few starts here. He was not throwing any splitters, Corey, in the first three months of the season. Not one. And so now he's throwing more splitters, and it has a little bit more of a velocity separation from his four-seam fastball and from some of his other pitches as well, like even the slider and cutter. His sinker's 93, his splitter's 88. And in those last two starts, the one against the Giants, he had five whiffs with that splitter. On August 15th against the Phillies, he has seven whiffs with that splitter. That is an enormous amount of whiffs just in two starts from a guy who was not throwing that pitch three months ago. So Darvish is continuing to adapt, continuing to evolve, 
And despite the home runs, I'm not concerned about it. As long as he doesn't keep walking, guys, that's not going to be an issue. I still think he's looking like the ace of this team in the past you know, four to five weeks. Hendricks is still looking great, too. So he's right up in there, there in that conversation. But for Darvish, yeah, Corey, I'm, I'm not concerned. I love his attitude. He's fighting with guys on Twitter. He followed me on Twitter, by the way. He's retweeting me. So I feel like Darvish and I are very tight and close now. Uh, good friend of the podcast. But overall, I love what he's doing. I love the way everything looks. I love the more reliance on his splitter. Love the command. I love everything about Darvish right now. Yeah, I was going to say we do have a very official announcement. It's very exciting. And we do have uh, a new addition to the friend of the Cubs-related podcast, and it is one you, Darvish. Welcome you. Interesting decision to follow Brendan and not me. Not at but all. Not it at it all. is what it is. Uh, Brendan is has replaced Jake Arietta with you, Darvish, in terms I of have, who yeah. he obsesses about the most. And so you know that was going to happen, though. That was just that was bound to happen. I was obsessing about you, Darvish, before the Cubs even signed yeah. the guy when they were rumored about him. So, yeah. You know, so yeah, you're, you're you're digging into the good information. You're finding those those deep stats. Uh, you especially after having been corrected by him, are very on oh, top yeah. of his splitter yeah. now. You're, you're well aware of, of everything about his splitter. <laughs> you're never going to let that happen again. Uh, but I yeah. do want to read this number, and this, again, is from other friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastian. We're, we're really growing that list of friends of the we podcast. Are. Of yeah. course, all of you listeners are friends of the podcast. So it's a lot of people now, and we're glad to have Uh, people such as you and Jordan Bastian involved in that list. But Jordan tweeting out yesterday that he did give up the four home runs and and the seven runs, uh, but he is also the first pitcher in recorded MLB history. Okay, you got that? The first pitcher in recorded MLB history to have eight plus strikeouts and zero walks in five consecutive starts. Corey, was that MLB history? Did you say that correctly? You you did hear that right, Brendan. It was MLB history, recorded MLB history. So maybe prior to the turn of you know the century back in 1900, maybe there were some games before that that they didn't have on record. But at least of the games that we know, he is the first person to do that. And A, oh, yeah, Brendan, thought, yeah. that is so fascinating for the struggles that he had last year, right? Never even in my wildest dreams about you, Darvish being successful in 2019, I don't think I would have been like, oh yeah, and I hope he goes on a six start run where he doesn't walk anybody, right? <laughs> like that just would have right. been such a lofty thing to throw out given what we saw last year. But that really is indicative of why when he was signed, and especially from your perspective, Brendan, you were so heavy on reiterating that he has top of the league, not just top of the Cubs rotation, not just top in the NL Central, but top of the league stuff and potential. And this is the type of stuff that he's able to put together. He's getting bit by the home run ball like a lot of pitchers. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, one of the, some of the shots were basket shots. They all count, right? I'm not going to get into the weeds about bombs versus basket shots. It doesn't matter. They're all home runs, right? But this is the type of stuff that he is capable of when he is on, and I don't think that the rate at which he's giving up home runs is sustainable. Obviously, he's trying to stay in the zone more. You're going to make some mistakes. It happens. But this is the guy that you envision when the Cubs sign him, someone who is not putting guys on base and who is just filthy 
with the stuff that he is able to bring and keep so many hitters off balance, generate those whiffs, and it's amazing to see stats like this. The the 120-plus batters without walking somebody, this many starts with 8-plus Ks and no walks, and like you said, he's his attitude throughout this whole process has been really great, and to see him engaging in some heated conversations with some of our lesser favorite media personalities in Chicago. Uh, you guys can figure that out if you want. My my father always taught me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So that's the mantra that I'm going with here. But it's it's just cool to see you seeming more comfortable in this Cubs environment. He's more outspoken. He's more engaging both with fans and the media. And he's having the successes to prove it. And like, look, I'm not going crazy. We're not popping confetti that he gave up six earned runs in the game yesterday, but he's been on a very good stretch and the trends are all in the right direction for him to continue being this good and to continue being this pitcher as we go forward in this season. Yeah. And uh, Tom Loxis and I were talking about Tommy Hadovy and you Darvish and some other guys on his new podcast called Beers and Beat Guys, which you guys should follow, by the way. But we were talking about Hadavi and how over this season, he's kind of gotten a lot of these pitchers over whatever obstacles they were going through. And with Darvish, it's been getting his command straightened out. But not only with Darvish, but with the entire rotation is manipulating their repertoire, manipulating their pitch strategy. And with Hendricks and Q throwing more elevated sinkers, we're seeing Darvish now throw more splitters. So again, when you see these successful trends match a noticeable, you know, adjustment, that gives you more confidence that this is what you should expect going forward until the league adjusts back to them. So if you're worried about you, Darvish, not being able to continue this, there's no reason to not be worried. I mean, he's had a 120 batter stretch, whatever it is, of not walking anyone. His walk rate in K per nine since the start of June is around 12 and under 0.5 batters per nine for his walk per nine, Corey. That is an absurd number. Absolutely mind-boggling. And if that continues, you're going to get shutouts. You're going to get complete game shutouts. The next step for you, Darvish, is going deeper into games, allowing Madden to give him that opportunity to do so. And I think we're going to see it. Before the season ends, Darvish will have a complete game, maybe two complete games. He'll go over 100 pitches. It's going to happen eventually when you are this efficient, striking out that many batters, not walking anyone. It's bound to happen that you're going to go really deep into games and give fans a lot of, you know, you Darvish's harshest critics a good reason to just shut up. And we're going to see that before the season ends. And I do want to talk about Hendricks just a little bit before we get into the preview with the upcoming series with the Nationals. And it's really just to say that Hendricks is really good. And like he lowers his season ERA to 3.20 in his ninth win on Thursday afternoon. And he lowers his home ERA to 1.79, which is the third lowest mark in all of Major League Baseball. And I do want to read in, in depth on that a stat from another friend of the podcast, Christopher Kamka who is the NBC Chicago stats guy. We mention him all the time. If you don't know who he is by now, you're 
this must be your first episode, in which case, welcome, but we do talk about Chris Kamka a lot. <laughs> and he points out Kyle Hendricks at Wrigley Field in 2019 in 11 starts, a 1.79 ERA in 75 in a third innings. His career, 77 starts, 78 total games at Wrigley Field, a 2.59 ERA in 476.2 innings pitched. Brendan, he is one of those guys that doesn't always get the attention that he deserves because he sits in the upper 80s. He is literally, he must be, the least demonstrative player in maybe all of sports. If there's someone who is as reserved and quiet, if you will, as Kyle Hendricks, I would love to know who that is because it's got to be Kyle Hendricks. But the strong, silent type. Yes, of course. He yes. is incredible. And today, Thursday, was one of those games where right away you knew that it was going to be a good one. He had that changeup working. He had the Giants hitters all over the place with some of those awful swings. They had no clue what was coming. I always say that his starts are the best if you follow Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, on Twitter. And this was one of those starts where... Rob is just giffing Hendricks the entire afternoon because his tunneling is so on point. He's able to throw those pitches at exactly the same release point, but change those speeds so expertly, throwing those sinkers now more up in the zone, like you've mentioned a lot, Brendan, and the way that he is able to keep hitters off balance, and especially even though they're not in the midst of their best seasons, but guys like Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, etc., these accomplished hitters over the years, he makes them look silly. He makes it look like they have no clue what they are doing up there, and it is such a beautiful, beautiful sight. I I do want to read one more stat from another friend of the podcast. I'm trying to shoehorn as many I can into this episode since we were just talking about it, but this is from Matt Clapp at The Blog Finds on Twitter, and he notes that Kyle Hendricks now has 932 and a third innings of being a 3.09 ERA pitcher in the major leagues. It is time that everybody recognize that Kyle Hendricks is not just a good pitcher. He is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. That's just where he is. And we saw him compete for a Cy Young in 2016. It's always going to be difficult for him to compete at that level simply because he doesn't always rack up the strikeouts in as high of numbers as other guys. And when you throw with the velos that he does, he's obviously more prone to blow up games than someone that's sitting 97, 99, can get away with being erratic, etc. Kyle isn't always afforded that luxury. So he may not always be in those Cy Young, literally the best pitcher in the league type conversations, but you can't beat how good he has been at home, and for someone to be that consistent for several years now as this kind of pitcher, it just is that time that people recognize that he is not just some guy. He's not a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Kyle Hendricks is a top pitcher in this league. Put some respect on his name. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Yeah, and it's a shame that we've gone three years to for a lot of outside Cub fandom people to notice this, but 
that's who he is. He's one of the most consistent pitchers in Major League Baseball. And then one other trend here before we preview this upcoming series, I noticed that Hendricks' release point, and we like to harp about this a lot just because when asked about it, a lot of the pitchers openly talk about their mechanical shifts. I mean, Sahara Sharma of The Athletic has written about this a lot over the last few weeks now. But with Hendricks, his curveball, Corey, we know Hendricks throws curveballs kind of like a get-me-over pitch, but in July, he was getting more whiffs on the pitch, and he's always wanted to incorporate more curveballs in his repertoire. Every spring training, I swear to God, we hear more about it. But in in the recent last two months, his release point between his curveball and his changeup is almost identical. So Hendricks is a tunneling guy, right? But his curveball has never been part of that tunneling phenomenon. And so far in the last two months, it's kind of trending in that direction. So I'm wondering, as we continue to watch these games, will that curveball come out more? Will he throw it more? Will it be as effective as his changeup? So something to monitor as the uh, season progresses here. All right, so let's preview the upcoming series against the Washington Nationals, which, by the way, I will be there on Sunday. I got my tickets through SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets and a price match to guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets, so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and just start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code, download the SeatGeek app, and use our promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so on Friday, we have a 1.20 p.m. Central Star Time. We have John Lester, your boy Corey, on the mound, who's 10-8 and eight, with a 4.23 ERA. Facing him will be Anibal Sanchez, the righty, the veteran righty for the Nationals, who is 7-6 with a 3.99 ERA. On Saturday, Jose Quintana is on the mound for the Cubs. He's been on one, guys, with that sinker. On the year, he's 11-7 with a 3.91 ERA. The Nationals have yet to announce a starter for that game. Max Scherzer was working his way back, so I'm sure they're going to orchestrate that rotation around Max Scherzer. The Cubs will miss Max this series, so good to see. And then on Sunday... That game starts at 1.20 p.m. Central. Steven Strasburg on the mound for the Nationals facing Cole Hamels. Hamels on the year 7-4 with a 3.73 ERA. Strasburg on the year 15-5 with a 3.65 ERA. The Nationals are on a stretch here. They're 69-57. They are among the top teams for that wild card spot. The Cubs on the year 69-58. So basically two equal teams right now. We have... Sean Doodle, who is not healthy for the Nationals. They have some bullpen issues they're working out, but they've been on one hitting-wise. Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, that lineup one through five is very difficult to beat. So the Cubs will be up for a test. I think what I'm looking for mostly this series is getting Cole Hamels back on track. Thought he looked okay in that one game against the Giants. The stuff was kind of leaky. He still was getting whiffs with that changeup, but the fastball command was not the best. Other than that, I mean, look, Best nine out there. The lineup we saw 
in the second and third game of that series. Throw it out there every day for the time being. Want to see Hap continue to get more playing time, but I love that lineup. It's top to bottom, has tons of power potential, and I think this series will be another playoff atmosphere at Wrigley. Again, two teams fighting for not only a wild card spot, but a division spot as well. And so, Corey, this is going to be another fun one. Yeah, Brendan and I am 8-1 and one at Wrigley Field since I have been back in Chicago. I made a promise to all of our loyal listeners of the Cubs-related podcast that I was coming to Chicago to do one thing, and that was take care of business. I feel like I have lived up to my end of the bargain. I feel like I'm performing at a very high level. And that one loss is my guy, John Lester. So the one thing I'm looking for in this series is for John not to be the only blip on that record. I love watching John Lester pitch at Wrigley Field. It is one of my favorite things to do in the world, and I would very much like to add a John Lester start to that win column. Let's go 9-1 and one at least starting on Friday, but this is going to be an interesting series, and this is a good test of how good this Cubs team has been at home because this Washington team is good. They are playing exceptionally well over the last stretch. This is not a Washington team in the same place that we saw them when the Cubs last won the road series prior to the Pirates series back in May. They are in a different place. They are rolling. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10 as I'm sitting here recording this podcast, and they're only six games back of the Braves. That's a, a big number, but I can assure you that this Washington group has not resigned them themselves to the idea of being in the wild card. So this is going to be a hungry team on both sides of Wrigley Field for this weekend. So that always creates, like you said, Brendan, a playoff-like atmosphere and just highly competitive games because nobody wants to let these games get away from them. They are meaningful in so many ways for both of these teams. So that's really the key here is that this is a this is a, a big series for both teams and it, and it's a test for both teams the nats going on the road trying to secure their spot in the playoffs and the cubs trying to create some distance in the division keep up what they've been doing at home always good to miss Max Scherzer. I don't think anybody was interested in facing him. And actually, as I read this, I said they were 8-2 and two in their last 10. They are winning in the top of the eighth at about 8.45 in Chicago as we record this. Uh, so it looks like they're going to get another win over the Pirates here. So they're on a roll. This is a good team that's playing really well. So uh, it'll be an interesting series. And like you said, Brendan, they've got some guys in that lineup you got to be really careful with. Uh, some very exciting young players and it'll be a fun series. I, I, I think, you know, you hope you can take two or three here and then head back out on the road. As we are recording this, the Cardinals and Rockies are tied, so the Cardinals will either be a half game back or one and a half back of the Cubs. The Brewers do not play here on Thursday, so regardless, the Brewers will be four games back. So again, really just an opportunity to create some distance as you go into this stretch run here. We really have not seen any of these teams pull away in this division the entire year. It would be very nice if the Cubs were the ones to do it, and they could do it right now. Over the weekend, the Cardinals will continue. It's a four-game set with the Colorado Rockies, and the Milwaukee Brewers, in turn, will take their chances at home with the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team that has actually played pretty well. They've got a good run differential, but they're only 500, so at least some decent competition for the Brewers there. 
So hopefully we can get some help from some of our friends in the NL West, and the Cubs can take care of business against a tough Washington team. But other than that, I'm not really looking for anything in particular. We know what this team has done at home. They won some really nice, close, competitive games here against the Giants. Let's just keep it rolling and try to win a a tough series here against the Nationals. But I think other than that, that is all we have for you on this episode of the Cubs-related podcast. As always, we thank you guys for your participation on Twitter. We thank you guys for listening to these episodes wherever you are listening to them. As always, they are available on most of the major podcast mediums, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, anything else I forgot, iHeartRadio, etc. So you should be able to find it. The episodes are posted on CubsInsider.com as well if you prefer to listen to it in your web browser. One way or another, we can get to the Cubs-related podcast into your earbuds. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. We will come back to you on Sunday after the Cubs and Nationals wrap up at Wrigley Field. And as always, go Cubs. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I would sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.